Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Tuesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online with you at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey got the whole gang together today. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. You can find them online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. What's up, everybody? How's your Tuesday? Borky, what's shaking? Uh, Not a whole lot. Tuesday's good. Good? Hey, Dad. Welcome back. It's good to be back. Glad to be back with you guys today. Uh, Rippy, have you been able to kind of get yourself back together? It was a... a tumultuous ending to yesterday's show. I, I gifted you those beautiful Wrangler jorts with a multitude of deep pockets and a hammer loop on the side. You went and tried them on. You finished the show in jorts and barefoot. We hustled out of here to get out, and then you all of a sudden asked me as you come back inside if I move your backpack and phone. Which you did not, allegedly. I had not touched either of them. Somehow it ended up behind the fridge by the bathroom. I don't really know how that worked. Well, first of all, though, you blame me for moving your backpack when you had left it in the studio across the street from hours before. I was talking about the phone. I kind of had an idea where the backpack was. And then your phone, you found it behind the refrigerator in the hallway. I think maybe I dropped the jorts and put it down as I was walking in the bathroom. I don't really know. Guys, he was a mess. He was so excited about his jorts that he lost cognitive abilities. All of them. Hey, Dad, should we get you some jorts also? I would prefer not to get jorts. If I could have that, if I have the option, I would. I'd rather go jortless. Okay. Um, you know who loves jorts? Brian Scott Rippey. No, I don't think he loves them. Scott Strickland. Oh, I don't know. I think he's more of a Lululemon pants kind of guy these days. <laughs> well, he's at Florida. Yeah, so I understand. Uh, Gardner Minshew. Oh, big yeah, yeah, yeah. Jorts guy. Yeah. We had the same leg tone. You and Gardner Minshew? <laughs> Do you? Someone put up a side-by-side on the internet. I couldn't tell the difference. If you photo swapped uh, yeah. their heads, you wouldn't know who was who. Mustache and whatnot. Uh... Gardner Minshew is going to come up in the show later this afternoon. And it's courtesy of his former head coach, Mike Leach, who will be today as you have never heard him before, I think. We've heard a lot of strange stuff from Mike Leach. I don't really think we've ever heard Mike Leach talking about undergarments, though, have we? Not like this, no. Not like this. Uh, And it ties back into his former quarterback, Gardner Minshew, who 
I went back and read a couple of stories about from his time at Washington State. That is an interesting dude. You know about his journey, right? So uh, Brandon High School, not recruited heavily, no scholarship offers at the Division One level, walks on at Troy, transfers to Northwest, really good at the junior college level, goes to East Carolina, gets benched in his first game, gets another opportunity, puts up big numbers, grad transfer, going to go be basically a GA, although he probably would have worn a uniform at Alabama. Then chooses instead to go play at Washington State, puts up massive numbers, gets drafted, Nick Foles gets hurt, and now he's the starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tried to break his own hand one time. Tried to break his own hand one time with a hammer so that he could get a medical red shirt, right? Allegedly. So here's what, not all you need to know, but here's one thing you need to know. Apparently Gardner Minshew is a Crown Royal guy, flavored. And the first time he gets to Pullman and he's going out with his teammates, this is before he's named the starting quarterback. I mean, just there. They're all going out. Bottle of Crown Royal, vanilla-flavored, sticks it in the waistband of his his jeans, and, and he thinks they were jeans and not jorts, just carries it there all night long. He is an interesting guy. Is he this generation's, if, if he has pro success, he is this generation's Kenny Stapler. Okay. That's where I'm going with that. All right. Maybe not the worst comparison of all time. Uh, if you have the, the success of that guy at that level, you'd be pretty happy. There's a Super Bowl win in there. Yeah, and you know the thing about Gardner Minshew, who seems to be having a really good time and is really comfortable in his own skin, went through a phase where that wasn't the case. Disappointed in not being recruited, the junior college route, which certainly worked out well for him, gets benched at East Carolina. There was uh, there was some downtime in all of that. But somewhere along the way said, all right, if I get another shot, I'm going to have fun with it. And it appears to be having a lot of fun ever since. But uh, you're going to want to hear what uh, what Mike Leach had to say coming up a little bit later this afternoon. What else is coming up? Ryan Brown from Jocks will join us. Two Mississippi teams meeting two Alabama teams this weekend. Mississippi State heads to Auburn. Ole Miss is headed to Tuscaloosa. Luke Johnson will join us this afternoon. Southern Miss has made it through the most difficult part of their schedule and now has a chance to maybe get on a little bit of a roll and really put together a, uh, a good and uh, maybe really good season. bunch of NFL stuff to get to. If you are a Saints fan, kind of cautiously, optimistically looking forward to Sunday night, Cowboys are off to a 3-0 start. Those two teams are going to meet in the Dome. The debut of Daniel Jones for the New York Giants was a good one. We'll take a look at uh, what's coming up this weekend, some of the lines on games. TV viewership for college football going the opposite direction of attendance. Attendance in college football down, TV viewership way up. Correlation? Yeah, probably. And a whole lot more. So a bunch to get into uh, with you this afternoon. Hey, Dad, since you, you were out yesterday, we talked uh, a good bit about Mississippi State's game against Kentucky, but uh, certainly want to get your perspective on that as well. Good win, 
28-13, 15-point victory. Mississippi State covers. I don't think any of us had them covering. Uh, a couple of us said win but don't cover. They get the win. Uh, Garrett Schrader, pretty good in the ball game. Most important question, what's up with the neck beard? Bless you. Are you don't don't Thanks. don't don't go there. Don't 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 get yourself in trouble talking about that beard. That thing is a it's 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 only a couple it's a win over Auburn away from being an American institution. It's so not you even a neck beard. It is a Auburn? full beard. It, it is all over his face. There it's not just around the neck. Yeah, but but it's it's lighter on the face and way heavier on the neck. That is a it's, prototypical neck beard by definition. You open up Webster's neared picture of that neared yeah neck beard never heard of that never heard i mean the only uglier beard that i can think of is andrew lux i don't hate it but it's a neck beard it's 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 very grizzly adams-esque yeah i mean you know gardner Minshew brought the mustache back yeah facial hair in general is more popular than it has been in uh, since what the 70s oh absolutely um as a proud beard wearer myself i you know how much credit do the Duck Dynasty guys get for bringing crazy facial hair back? They they have to get some for sure because you know they uh, they they were definitely flaunting the, uh, the 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 length of their beards back in the day. Yeah, they were leading edge. You can still find Duck Dynasty if you look hard enough for it. It's not nearly as popular. And there was a there was a a little window there. What a year long, where you couldn't walk in like a big store like a Walmart. And there was an entire section of the store dedicated to Duck Dynasty. Yeah. Cups, koozies, shirts, hats. It, w- it was a phenomenon, for sure. Yes. It faded about as quickly as it came on, though. I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, so people like the neckbeard in Starkville for Garrett Schrader. They, they, they love this kid. I'm telling you right now, he is the people's champion. But the MSU fans love this guy. Okay. I'm interested to see how far it'll go. Is he going to be the starting quarterback on Saturday on the Plains? You know, I've been wrong the last couple weekends. Let's try it one more time. I would say yes. I think he's going to start. Okay. That means Tommy Stevens is not healthy enough to play, right? That I think that combined with the fact that State has a bye next week, that if he's if Stevens is not 100%, 100%, Garrett Schrader is going to start. The, the the question, and I know a lot of people have brought this up, if Joe Moorhead said this past Monday, so eight days ago, that Tommy Stevens felt better than he did 15 days ago, and then he went on to start against Kansas State, but then didn't start against Kentucky, what does all that mean? It means that, as he said in his press conference yesterday, that he suffered a setback with a, a, quote, different mechanism. Huh? Different mechanism, I said. All right. We'll uh, we'll get some more thoughts on Mississippi State's win over Kentucky outside the neckbeard conversation when we continue with you on this Tuesday in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. And Ripley on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. One of the best new phones is here, and ceasefire is celebrating with a fully loaded deal. 
Buy the latest phone and get another one free, plus $100 off the newest wearable technology. Learn more at cspire.com. Cspire, customer inspired. You may have to read between the lines on that just a little bit, but there is a new line of phones that has just dropped, and there are some things that you can put in your ears that are wireless that are a really cool way to listen to your phone, and you got a chance to save some money on all of that. Go to the website, cspire.com. Ceasefire customer inspired. Uh, so what did uh, our friend in Ripley have to say? Oh, it was directed at Ripley. At Rippy. Stan in Ripley says, Rippy, as I said on Twitter, I can't take up for you on the jorts. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, it started for my displeasure for having been dressed in them before I was of consenting age to like wear my own clothes. Your dad kind of came into the rescue on that. He said they were the cool thing. Don't think so. Uh, Thomas in Greenwood says, so you became a Chad? I don't think that's on brand for what you're saying there, buddy. Uh, Larry and Jackson. Really? On the George, the cool kids can't wear denim carpenter shorts? Is it the fabric? Because it seems khaki is fine. Confused. Yeah, there's a difference in jean shorts and khaki shorts. What is denim carpenter shorts? The shorts you got. The hammer hole carpenter Denim, the jean shorts, those were denim carpenter shorts, also known as jorts, with a hammer loop on them. It's like the professional name. Uh, it's just a different way of referring to them. Yeah, I mean, so khakis, obviously, if you're talking about, like, cotton khaki shorts, they're a lighter weight material, but a lot of people go have gone to, like, the performance fabrics where they're, like, super lightweight. Sean, the name interesting. It's like calling Burger King a culinary experience. <laughs> um, question before we uh, Caleb and Olive Branch says Rippy has never used a hammer true or false false that one summer at, no that was a jackhammer no I know there was all kinds of stuff that summer was that like a um, like a uh, detention program to avoid charges sticking like a, a work service program or no, that was a needing a job after freshman year and finding one type of situation. You just never really struck me as like the manual labor type guy. Yeah, well, I didn't strike people as a George guy apparently either. <laughs> Who's starting quarterback at Ole Miss? That comes on the C Spire text line. Borky responded, probably not going to know for a few days. Need to know more about Matt Corral's injury. Any idea at this point on where that goes? No, they start practicing in like an hour. I guess you'll go, won't you? I will be there. All right. Uh, so, hey, Dad, let's circle back to uh, to Saturday. Um, Garrett Schrader, beard jokes aside, threw the football very efficiently and also had a big day running the football. How good was Jarrett, Garrett Schrader's performance? It was really, really good. It was good enough to be SEC Freshman of the Week. I mean, 17 of 22 passing the ball. He made a couple of freshman mistakes. The interception was just a bad throw. He fumbled on a, on a play where he should have just gotten rid of the ball. State was in field goal territory, uh, and he just held onto the ball too long and was sacked from behind and coughed it up. But for the most part, he, he looked the part. He, he, you know, he was good in the running game, good in the passing game, spread the ball around, looked he was be, like he was in complete control. I've, I've told you on this show before that you know the confidence is not an issue for this guy. He talks, 
he talks like an upperclassman, and, and I thought he played like one on Saturday. Defensively, everybody played Saturday, right? Yes, there were no suspended players on Saturday. So Mississippi State made the decision that this was one where they needed everybody, needed to get a win, needed to get things moving in the right direction? I mean, is, is that reading between the lines accurately? I think so. Yeah, I, I can't see how you would read it any other way. Uh, that you know they have the, they obviously have the option of where they want to suspend these guys and what games, and so they looked at this Kentucky game and I think this sort of goes. We talked about this in the off season, there, or, or once we found out that this was going to happen, that Kentucky was a game we all sort of circled as as they, this would be one that you, you would see those guys in, and you did. So now you know Willie Gay, Marcus Murphy, those guys have three games left. Lee Autry has two games left. That they can. In which they, they can play. In which they can play, correct. Okay. So Lee Autry played against Southern Miss mm-hmm. and has played against Kentucky. Right. Willie Gay has played in only one game so far. Correct. Only half the and game, same, actually. <laughs> yes, but I, I think it counts as a full it game, It counts right? the same, yeah. Um, I was flooded with questions about that on Twitter. Does that mean he has to sit out another half of another game? No, he doesn't. Yeah. Um, that was kind of a strange moment, wasn't it? What the ejection? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, when it, when he got the first penalty, you remember he got ejected from the Egg Bowl as well. He got a penalty in the in the first quarter. Yeah, he recovered a fumble and he gave the ball a spin on the on the turf, which would get you a flag every time. And then, of course, he was part of the carnage of the uh, the fight, and because he already had one, he got ejected. So that's two straight regular season games now. <laughs> He's been ejected in, and it was sort of the same it's thing. It's a bad pattern. It is. It is, especially you know he scores a touchdown, and I get the emotion. I get it, really, I do. But got to be smarter than that. Taking your helmet off, you're going to get that flag every time. And then, uh, the, yeah, uh, on the, the whole helmet taking off thing, that's one of those that's frustrating. And you go, mm-hmm. what difference does it make? But it's just it. It's like as black and white a rule as there in the is in the rule book. If what? you Take your helmet off. It's an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Period. No grade. Pretty sure that. Pretty sure that's something that's been like in the on the books since the Miami days of of the late eighties. That's they 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 took it where you you're not allowed to take your helmet off while you're while you're in celebration. Basically, you're not allowed yeah. to do that. So I mean, and that, that's just the rule. And then the second thing, you know, he gets in a little back and forth with one of Kentucky's linemen uh, that they, they were able to, to basically. You know, goad him into another penalty, and then doing so, that was that was the end of his day. It's incredible. Was that the, the exchanging of birds, or was there just a bird on one end and then something I think there was, was an said exchange. on the other end? I think I think there may have been an exchange. I, I have to go back and rewatch it, but there was definitely something said from both, and it and it just escalated. And you know, the refs heard the naughty words, and that was going to be that. Mm. Played well when he was in, though, right? Incredible the difference to me in State's defense when he plays versus what we've seen the first three weeks. They look like a completely different defense. And I'm sure Autry played a role in that and Marcus Murphy as well, but Willie Gay, was he was everywhere on Saturday. It was like he's playing like he was making up for lost time. Kylan Hill is getting a lot of opportunities, and you've got Joe Moorhead quotes to say, you know, we're going to keep feeding it to him. Uh, you know, there's no reason to even talk about the frustration of him not getting it a ton a year ago, but... There is no question, or at least I don't think there's any question. Correct me if I'm wrong. This offense is going to go as Kylan Hill goes. Is, is that is that accurate? 
I think Kylan Hill is the the engine that runs the offense. Now, the what kind of car is he driving? That sort of depends on the other guys. But he's he's going to get his carries. That's going to happen. He's he's only twenty six carries away from what he had all of last year. I mean, we're we're four games in. So you know that off season storyline that we hammered a lot is Kylan Hill going to get the ball? The answer to that is yes, he's going to get the ball. He's going to get twenty. I would imagine he'll get twenty plus carries on Saturday against Auburn. He'll be close to one hundred yards. It's what the team does around him that determines whether or not State wins or loses. The the fascinating thing to me about this coming Saturday, and we're going to get into this Auburn Mississippi State game because it's a it's a good matchup. Um, that Auburn defense, especially up front is so good and has been so good, and yet Mississippi State is going to want to try to get Kylan Hill going on the ground, that's kind of the battle of best against best, right? Yeah, it really is. And I mean it was a season ago, and that's what I asked Joe Moorhead about. You know, in this game a year ago, Auburn's defense was really good and they came to Starkville. I think they they had one loss, but they were still in the top ten. And State ran for almost four hundred yards on them. So what happened there? That's what I want to know. And can you do it again? Can you repeat that performance? Because if you do, I, I feel pretty confident saying you get 400 yards rushing, you're going to win the football game. Um, but at the same time, I think State's a lot more balanced this year, and they can do more in the passing game. So it might open up for Kylan Hill. Uh, I don't, I don't know what that game plan is going to be just yet. Because if you remember a year ago in this game, that was the game where State ran a lot of pre-snap motion. They would bring Kylan Hill from the slot into the backfield. They ran a lot of, they ran a lot more, more out wide than they normally do. And it caught Auburn off guard, and it was very successful. Can't imagine that Auburn will allow that to happen. Again, that's got to be the first thing they're scouting. So how does State run the football is, is question number one for me this week. We'll circle back to this later, but quickly. I, I said in some ways Mississippi State, because they won on Saturday, got a little bit of a free shot uh, against Auburn this week. Do you buy that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a game most people had predicted as a loss anyway. So they can just go over there and, and you know, Play loose, I think. I, I don't think there's a lot of pressure on Mississippi State this week. Luke Johnson joins us on the Farm Bureau phone line when we come back. Southern Miss lost at Alabama on Saturday, but about to jump into their Conference USA schedule and see if they can kind of really get it rolling. Talking to Luke next on the Farm Bureau phone line in the Renaissance Bank studio. Tuesday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. We chat with Luke on Tuesdays. Luke Johnson from the Eagle Hour, Supertalk Hattiesburg, Supertalk Laurel. Good to have last Saturday in the rearview mirror. 49-7, the final. Luke, did, did Southern Miss, for the most part, come out of the game healthy against Alabama? Yeah, before we get to the health, uh, I'm sorry, I misread the final score. The final score really was 1.8 million to 49. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> so maybe Southern Miss did win after all. Yeah, uh, yeah, healthy, and that's been the real news early in this week. Won't be back this week, uh, but it looks like uh, real bonus. Travinsky Mosley may be back for the North Texas game. Rakeem Booth may be back for the North Texas game. A starting linebacker that was injured a few weeks back. Coker Wright, the left guard, probably going to be out a few more weeks. But the Eagles looks like we'll have their starting running back uh, the, the next game after UTEP. What takeaways do you have from Saturday for Southern Miss? Um, positive. Uh, 
you know, right before the half, you're down four touchdowns. You don't quit. You drive down with a good drive. You, you score. Jack Abraham was uncharacteristically inaccurate in the first couple drives. Um, you know, the Michael Harris looked really good. Uh, I was, I was uh, a couple times that they were able to get him in open space. I thought Buster Faulkner had a had a really good game plan. I mean, uh, Southern Miss outpossessed Alabama. You never really see that when you get beat by forty two, but. They tried to keep their defense off the field. Uh, the Eagles tried to keep their own defense off the field. Um, Jack settled in a little bit. Uh, the obvious, you know, negative is um, I think there were a lot of quarterbacks that could have probably shredded the secondary on on Saturday, much less uh, you know the best in the country. Um, Tua looked like he was playing Madden on novice. I mean, it was it was pretty pretty tough to, to watch a little bit. Um, but at the same time. Uh, you know, you, you got to shore up things on the backside. There were some mystical, uh rugs, uh, speed, you know, just really was, was tremendous against our secondary. I thought D.Q. Thomas played a, a great game in the secondary. He's been probably the best player on defense for the Eagles on that on the defensive side of the ball. He had another great game. So it's a mixed bag. I mean, we talked Friday that, you know, anywhere from five, 35 to 49 points was probably what you'd get beat by. And, uh, but I was I was proud in the fourth quarter. They never laid down, and they kept fighting. Your point about Tua Tonga Bailoa, he's really looked like that against everybody. <laughs> I mean, against Duke in the opener and against everybody they've played so far. I mean, 17 touchdowns, no interceptions, and what is it, 1,300 yards passing through four games? I mean, it really is like he's playing a video game out there. We're talking to Lee Roberts yesterday, former Southern Miss quarterback, and he was just excited to see Tua, you know, play in person. He'd watched him in the national championship on TV, but he said just watching him play in person, it was an, it was a whole different experience. And I mean, he just he was absolutely tremendous. And I think Coach Hobson said he had never really played against a team that had two Heisman trophies, uh, you know, candidates on the, on the same field at the same time. So, you know, it is what it is. And uh, Eagles came out at healthy and, and got a good check and, you know, uh, on the conference play. Now, I think at the very least um, they got to play in that, that environment, and which is a boost. And, I mean, it's the best team that, that hardly any uh, you know, every other team would play this year in, in Alabama. So you can take that and start conference play this week and get you a win and then uh, move on to the bye week. Yeah, and, and there is something to be said for there's there's no stage that will be bigger or grander or more awe inspiring or eye opening or however you want to d- describe it that Southern Miss is going to step on. I mean, th- there's nothing intimidating the rest of the way after you've played a game in Bryant Denny on the road. Yeah, and if you look at really the, the last three games, you play three on the road. Um, you have a shootout with Troy. Uh, you played in, you played in, in two SEC stadiums on the road last two out of three weeks. So you were the Eagles really didn't back up to anybody. You know they were just outmanned in, in two of those games. And that's just something you you take your licks on the chin. But that, by no means will they ever be intimidated the rest of the way walking in anywhere else. When you look at the rest of the schedule, so two and two through four games, and now into conference play. How many of the next eight games will Southern Miss be favored in? Um, Louisiana Tech's an iffy. UAB's okay. an iffy. Probably six. 
think they'll be favored on the road at FAU at the end? Uh, and if FAU's got to show us something before they'll they'll be favorites to anybody. Yeah, I mean, your favorites against Wagner, but you know, uh, fighting Kiffin, the Lane train has stumbled out the out of the station so far. Uh, they've kind of underwhelmed for the last really twelve months. So it, it'll depend on what FAU does the rest of the way. Um, North Texas, you know, if, if the Eagles win pretty good this week, um, I, I like Southern Miss to be slightly favored at home. Maybe an, a dog on the road at Louisiana Tech, and, and depending on what UAB did. I mean, UAB that was a pretty impressive win against South Alabama this weekend. They beat them thirty-five to three. Uh, so it just depends on how the Eagles, you know, what they show this week. And, and I've, I've kind of said it. I said it before the Troy game. I said it before the Mississippi State game. But I really feel like the North Texas game is going to show what the 2019 version of Southern Miss really is. What do we need to know about UTEP? Um, obviously, that's a game that, that you expect to win going in. One and two on the season. They've got a win against Houston Baptist. They got beat by five touchdowns by Texas Tech on the road. Uh, lost uh, to Nevada at home. So one and two so far this year. But when you take it a step beyond that, what do we need to know? It's, it's a game for Southern Miss, uh, the defense especially, especially the passing defense, to, to just get some confidence. Word on the street is they may start their third-string quarterback uh, because of some things. Danny Dimble's in his second year. Uh, it, it's kind of tough out there. Joe Robinson, the special teams coordinator, started his coaching career really at Southern Miss. He's coming back. Um, it's a game for, for the Eagles. I think you will see – the Eagle offense uh, explode, and, and it's been a completely opposite from what we talked preseason. This was a – you thought you would win on defense, and your defense hasn't really been the greatest so far, and you thought the offense would struggle a little bit. And they have a tendency, you know, if, if they complete some passes here and there to it explode. So Eagles are 26-point favorite. Um, you would like for them to, you know, when they smell blood in the water to take care of it, you'd like them to start fast. Uh, and to finish, and just for one game, just in a, in a game where they should put a team away early, you want them to, to see them do that and prove they can do that to get some confidence. The pass defense really needs a really good game because they're just licking their wounds. I mean, not just because it was two. I mean, they're licking their wounds after Troy too. So it's an opportunity to, to get your your uh, your steps established before you really got you know two tough games with North Texas and La Tech. Two open dates this year. One of them comes after this game against UTEP. The other comes after the road game against Rice. I kind of like where their open dates are placed. You, you you get to come back and play a game after the loss to Alabama, but then you get a little time to rest after five straight weeks. Then you play three in a row with, what, two of them on the road and get an open date before the stretch run of the season. Do, do you like the way the schedule is set up? I mean, absolutely. North Texas... Preseason, conference-wise, North Texas was uh, probably the toughest team on the slate. They were favored in the West. They've, they've uh, still looked you know, good in conference play. Hadn't been the greatest outside of conference play. So it's perfect setup for the Eagles. And then, of course, uh, UAB uh, has always been a game that is always closer than it should be on either side. Uh, so I, I like it really well. And, and just so happens coming out of the bye week, both teams, both games are at home. So you don't even have to worry about a road trip. So the Eagles – uh, it's it's probably the best case scenario uh, when you look at it from a conference perspective. If you want to win the West, 
Certainly, uh, certainly looks good. It, it feels to me, and I know we've talked about this a little bit, kind of as we wrap up, that getting through these first four games at two and two, you now get to turn the page in this season and just see how good it could be. Because you can look at the remainder of the schedule and go, there's a route to ten wins, certainly a route to nine wins. You you can get to eight, which I think was kind of the prediction. That, that you had going into the season, or, or at least the definition of maybe what would make for a good year? Seven's a disappointment. Eight is what you expect. Um, it's going to be – I just think it's hard to run 8-0. I was on an 8-0 team in Conference USA in 2003. It's just tough to be undefeated in the conference. Um, you feel like they're going to win one that that maybe they they shouldn't, and you feel like they're just going to blow it in one. And that's that's the real test, Richard, this year. Southern Miss fans want to see their team go out and not stumble. And and that is what just kind of the reserved excitement I share with you about this team. When they're supposed to win, go out and dominate, and in games that are close, you know, leave no doubt. So, yeah, I mean, if, if you get nine wins at the end of the season, I think you win the West, and I think you're playing for a championship. Saturday night, 6 o'clock at The Rock against UTEP. Want to watch it? It's available on ESPN Plus if you can't make it to the game. Luke, we'll talk to you later in the week. Thanks, man. Have a great day. See you later. That is Luke Johnson, co-host of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Hattiesburg and Super Talk Laurel. What exactly did Mike Leach say in his press conference this week? Not related to football. We'll play it for you coming up next in the Renaissance Bank studio. You need to know just a little bit of background before you hear what Mike Leach had to say in the Ask Me Anything portion of his weekly press conference. So apparently Gardner Minshew has an affinity for jockstraps. It's uh, part of kind of a bygone era in athletics. But after practices would come in and would do armband workouts, stretching workouts, while wearing nothing but a jock strap, a headband, and aviator sunglasses in the locker room. Not in the weight room, but in the locker room. And apparently this is a trend that has continued once he's gotten to the NFL. So with that as the background, Mike Leach was asked about what he would do if he could change bodies with... Gardner Minshew, and also his thoughts on the jockstrap. I don't know what I'd do uh, if it were me, because uh, I, I kind of prefer my body, so I'd probably lose a little weight and shave the mustache. But, uh, but you know, it looks good on him and matches up with him. So, and then, uh, but before that, I'd do a lot of really cool Burt Reynolds stuff. You know, <clears throat> I didn't like wearing a jockstrap. I'd only wear it if I had to. Um, and then when they came out with those, and I was in, um, <clears throat> I was kind of early college <clears throat> when they had those kind of tight bike short looking deals that kind of held everything in place. I preferred those over jocks, so I was happy they invented those. And then <clears throat> I'd wear them when I played rugby, and it would help prevent chafing and that you know the the stuff on your hip, you know where you get the the scab on your hip that never goes away. <coughs> so I preferred those uh, those compression short things better than uh, jocks. 
like you've never heard him before, right? It's called a girdle, isn't it? Know what we're going with? The compression shorts? Yeah, that you put your pads in? Yeah, I don't know if they're still called girdles, but they were called girdles when we played. Yeah. I remember the first time I heard uh, it, I was like, it's called a what? Yeah. So, when Gardner Minshew was at Washington State, they had what they called family dinners, and it was he and some of his teammates, I guess primarily offensive linemen, and they would go to Buffalo Wild Wings and eat together. And apparently they always had certain guys they picked on, but they had a reporter from The Athletic with them for one of these dinners. And he's just kind of going behind the scenes. So one of the guys had the nickname of Safety Hunter Dale. And apparently that's because he accidentally shot Gardner Minshew with a pellet gun somewhere along the way in the leg. Still a hole there. So this writer is trying to get different guys to share stories about Gardner Minshew. And Dale says he has these bands that he does arm stretches with after practice, and it never fails. He'll come in and just strip naked and start doing them. Gardner Minshew chimes in, usually I end up in my jock strap, not all the way naked. Dale says there's been a couple naked ones. Minshew nodding, yeah, there's been a couple nakeds. At which point it gets interjected into the story, Steve Spurrier knows about the bands. His son, Steve Spurrier Jr., is the Cougars' receiver coach. And after a win this season, the head ball coach wanted to talk to Minshew. Gardner Minshew tells it this way. He came in the locker room looking for me, and I'm doing my bands in the jock strap, and I've got my shades on and my headband still on, and he just comes in, looks, and says, Steve, just tell him I said good game. <laughs> and leaves. Oh, that's good. How about that? Comfortable in his own skin, right? Something like that. Jockstrap guy. Uh, No, I grew up in the compression short era. I tried. I just I couldn't bring myself to put my football pants just over like my naked butt, basically. I mean, because we wore white pants most of the time. We were orange, brown, and white, but our bottoms, for 90% of our games, were white. So I couldn't bring myself, with as much as I sweat in in the South Carolina heat in August, to wear that with white pants because you'd sweat a little bit and show a lot of yourself. I just couldn't do it. Six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. That's the C Spire text line. Richard in Wiggins, y'all, crazy that guy is. Ashley and Amory, hearing Mike Leach always reminds me that weed is legal in Washington State. <laughs> Mike in Grand Bay, that's a strange fetish. Amanda in my Pike County, please change the subject. <laughs> Oh, Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Flying overhead, making lines across the darkening. 
Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Four o'clock hour on this Tuesday. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, who stepped out for a few minutes to go for the part of Ole Miss's football practice that is open. He will rejoin us in the five o'clock hour. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been refinancing, well, financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. You can find a branch location near you in North Mississippi, or you can uh, grab the phone number and give them a call. Get on the website, mslandbank.com. C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. At C Spire, the powerful new Samsung Galaxy Note 10 is finally here, and C Spire celebrating with an equally powerful deal for a limited time by the Galaxy Note 10 and get $750 off your choice of Samsung Galaxy device. C Spire, customer inspired. Borky, if you were giving this weekend in the NFL a grade, how would you grade it? Oh, gosh. Um, like an 8 out of 10? I thought we had a lot of compelling storylines come out of it. I mean, you started the day with, um, Jacoby Brissett now, I mean, the Colts have one really close loss, but I mean, they look like they're still potentially a playoff team. He knew the roster was good enough to make it, but it was all going to depend on him. And I mean, they beat the Falcons on Sunday, and he had a really good day doing so. Uh, you had the Lamar Jackson, I told you so, people on Twitter be really, really quiet on Sunday because when the Ravens played somebody with a pulse, old habits came out and even though the score was a little bit closer than this indicated, uh, the Chiefs were a complete overmatch for him. But that was still storyline. And then you had the Lions go to Philly and win a game. And Rippy called that one, if you remember, a couple months ago. He said this offseason that the Lions were going to be better than people think, maybe a playoff team. They're undefeated. They have that one tie, but they are um, undefeated. And then, of course, the Saints going to Seattle and winning, and then the Browns being who everybody probably should have thought they were. So really, I mean, a lot of different games and angles and storylines and close games, and you had Danny Dimes come out of nowhere for New York and win a game in Tampa, and just, I mean, a lot of stuff happened on Sunday. Is that your nickname for him, or is that everywhere? Uh, That is everywhere. I wish I would have come up with that, but uh, that's the new thing. It's really bad, isn't it? It's awful. (laughs) I'm glad you hey, said Dad. it was everybody and not you. I, I, I'm glad to hear that. Yes, yes. Uh, undefeated teams in the NFL. Buffalo at three and zero. How about Remember that? Remember when by everybody the way? thought Josh Allen was terrible? Never be able to get it done in the NFL. Yeah, because his completion percentage at North Dakota State wasn't very good. Wyoming, but same difference. Um, <laughs> That's right. That was Carson Wentz, my bad. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, we'll find out how much better they are uh, this Sunday. They go to New England. No, they host New England uh, this week as a 3-0 and team. So suddenly, I mean, the Bills are the only shot at the Patriots not winning that division because the other two teams in it are a joke. So uh, hopefully the Bills can get it done and at least make the Patriots' path to being a number 1 overall seed a little bit tougher. Hey, Dad, did you have something to say? No, no, no. Was just, uh, I, thought you, I thought you started to jump in a second ago. My bad. In the AFC, the Bills are 3-0. Patriots are 3-0. and 
The Kansas City Chiefs are 3 and 0. So those are the only 3 3 and 0 teams in the AFC, NFC. One of those things is not like the other. Buffalo? Yeah. So you think you think they're a bit of a paper tiger at this point? A little, little bit of a Now that said, you know, 3 and 0, they could maybe find a way to finish 8 and 8 or 9 and 7, play around with a wild card, but they're not, I don't think they're a real challenger to the Patriots. Their three wins are the Jets, Giants before they benched Eli, and the Bengals, who are yeah, 0 and 3. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there was a time they would have lost those games. So, I mean, they're improved. In the AFC, uh, I'm sorry, in the NFC, Cowboys 3 and 0. Mm-hmm. Packers 3 and 0. Detroit Lions are 2 0 and 1. You remember they coughed up the lead against Arizona in week one. Ended up getting a tie in that one. And then you got two teams out west, the Rams and the 49ers, both at 3-0 and as well. That NFC West, that division. Rams, Niners, Seahawks 2-1, and coming off the loss to uh, St. Lu- or to uh, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, a, that's a tough, tough division. And it's going to be... I, I, the 49ers, are, I feel like they're still sort of in show-me mode. You know, they're playing well right now, and they've sort of been building to this, but let's see what happens when they tangle with one of those top teams. The Rams, you knew they were going to be good. The Seahawks, they'll be fine. Just kind of looking at the division races, I think eventually New England separates in the AFC East. I mean, not really going out on a limb there. Are the Ravens going to run away and hide in the AFC North? Two and one with a loss in which they were competitive against the Chiefs, but then you got Browns, Bengals, and Steelers. Bengals and Steelers both zero and three. Yeah, you thought that division was going to be a lot tougher than it now actually is, and I, part of that was just media hype. I mean, when you look at the Browns, they had a close loss to one of, if not the best roster in the NFL, maybe uh, with the Rams, who were coming off a big home win, and I mean they've got the best defensive line, all really best entire defense in football so the Browns not winning that game is not uh, a reason to panic but they kind of are who we all should have thought that they were rookie head coach quarterback who's still growing a team full of flash no real substance not great on the offensive line and people thought that that division was going to be so difficult because here's this wild card in Cleveland that is going to be so much better and they're a playoff team and Super Bowl contenders I saw on ESPN multiple times before the season started. The Browns were a legit Super Bowl contender, and that was just being a prisoner of the hype. And now with Big Ben out, I mean, the Ravens are just going to win that division simply by default. You've got Ravens-Browns this this Sunday, so that'll be the prove-it game for the Browns. Where is that game in Cleveland? Uh... Let me t- I'll be able to tell you about looking at the Saints game. Yeah, it's in Baltimore. Okay, Baltimore's hosting that game. Whew, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, starting one and three for Cleveland, too, it, I mean, maybe they could find a way because they still do get to play Cincinnati and Pittsburgh twice. They could sneak into a wild card. But starting one and three, they may not be a playoff team. Texans and Colts in the AFC South, they're going to battle for it all the way through, right? Yeah, huge win for Houston on Sunday, too, in L.A. Even though it's technically a road game, there was more red in the stadium than anything else. But 
a huge and game we found, Look, we found out in week one, or I guess I found out in week one, Texans fans travel. We've talked some with John Harris about that as well. They um, they, they travel as a uh, as a, a fan base. Chiefs off to the three and zero start. Raiders, Chargers, Broncos. Broncos are winless. Raiders and Chargers both at one and two. I mean, Kansas City's one of the four best teams in the NFL. Yes, maybe three. Yes. In no sophomore slump either for Mahomes up until this oh point. Oh, goodness, he's been so good. I'd say Chiefs, Patriots, and then give me the winner of Cowboys, Saints this weekend, as that's the three best teams. That game is that's so huge. You, what about the Rams? Give me the winner of Cowboys, Saints this weekend as, as your third in the top three. Yeah, and then the Rams would be fourth. But the Rams and the Saints have already played. I'm just saying. Yeah, it was in L.A. and Drew Brees gets hurt and you had that weird... Wait, 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 are we now pretending like L.A.'s a home field advantage? Well, and then you also have the... uh, They lose a touchdown. I mean, things happen in that game. I mean, Although, in fairness, the Rams do have more of a home field advantage than the Chargers. Yeah, they do. They actually have people that show up to their games. Yeah. You can still... Are you... Are you buying the San Francisco 49ers at 3 and 0? I I'm I'm in the store. I'm looking around. I haven't purchased yet. Garoppolo's been pretty good. Yeah. That defense is pretty good. But same thing with them. It's weird you can't say this in the NFL because it's still the NFL. But they ain't played nobody. I mean, they went to Tampa and won, and they're bad. They went to Cincinnati and won, who's bad, and then beat Pittsburgh at at home on Sunday, and they're playing Mason Rudolph. So, I mean, do we really know? Open date after a 3-0 start, then they've got the Browns. They go to the Rams, go to the Redskins. Then the Panthers, then they're at the Cardinals. It's a pretty favorable schedule for San Francisco also. We've talked about how difficult New Orleans' schedule is early. Niners are kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum of that, at least in the first half of the season. I think the Cowboys are about to run and hide in the NFC East. We'll see. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Season and they win it 11 to 10 in 15 innings. And that smile on his face tells it all right there. First career home run for the pedal Mississippi native Anthony offered a walk-off blast to left center field in the bottom of the 15th inning at home last night in Toronto. Just a refresher in case you've forgotten. As a senior at Pedal, Anthony offered through for 2,058 yards and 20 touchdowns, ran it for 1731 with 24 TDs on the ground, played in the U.S. Army All-American Bowl, hit 483 in the spring with the Pedal High School baseball team with four home runs, and was 14 for 14 in stolen base attempts. He signed out of high school with the Toronto Blue Jays after being drafted in the third round, 112th overall. Contract with Toronto paid him three-quarters of a million dollars, but it allowed him to play college football. 
and then come play baseball in the summer. Started his college career at Southern Miss, quarterback in the team, some issues off the field, five games uh, all he played in in that first year. Coaching change there, decides to transfer, goes to Ole Miss, moves to the defensive side of the ball, had to sit out for a year, play sparingly, and then decides, you know what, I'm going to chase this football or this baseball dream. Had a family that was trying to support and thought that baseball was his route. Finally gets up to the big leagues, and with a week left in the regular season, hits his first career home run with a big old smile on his face as he came around third and stomped on home plate at Rogers Center. How cool a story is that? And I'd love one, to see it. And at one point he was playing football here. Yeah. At two different schools in the state of Mississippi. One of which, at the time for that season, was horrendous, doesn't even adequately describe it. What are you talking about? When he was, he was on Miss? the 0-12 Southern Miss team, I thought. Yeah. Just, it was bad all the way around. Now he so made congratulations the congratulations right to Anthony Alford. baseball, yeah. <laughs> yes, I would say good choice. Yeah. Certainly uh, agree with that. Just wanted to play that for you. Let's continue some of the NFL stuff. Saints in Seattle. We talked briefly about this yesterday. That was a really big win for the Saints. So after the opening Monday uh, Monday night win against the Texans, they head west. They go and they play the Rams, and you have the the touchdown that was called back. It was a ten to three game at that point, I think. Completely changed the complexion of the game. They lose the game, and they immediately go from Los Angeles to Bellevue, Washington. They are, which is right outside of Seattle. So they stay on the West Coast for, what, eight days, nine days? Drew Brees has the hand injury. They deal with the diagnosis of that. Teddy Bridgewater gets the start. And the game on Sunday absolutely could not have gotten off to a better start than it did for the Saints. They have a guy that nobody's ever heard of in Deontay Harris, who, I mean, might be already right now the most electric returner in the NFL. He went to Assumption College. Undrafted guy, obviously out of nowhere, because who knows what Assumption College is, and he's tiny. He's like, oh gosh, what was his name from LSU? The really good return man. Trendon Holloway? He's like Trendon Holliday. And that's how he runs, it's how he moves, and that's about how big he is. And, I mean, that that return for a touchdown just set the tone for the game. They get a defensive score as well. And then all Bridgewater had to do from there was was manage. And I love Teddy Bridgewater. I'll stand for Teddy Bridgewater all day. I think that he deserved the opportunity that he got, that the sample size of one half in L.A. after Breeze goes down was not adequate to – feel out what he could do for you, but they still really simplified the game plan for him. Zero passes that traveled in the air longer than 15 yards. Uh, A lot of screen game to Kamara and and easy underneath passes, but he did manage the game well because that's all he really had to do because Seattle couldn't tackle Kamara, and your defense played really, really, really well, and you got a return touchdown. Perfect storm to go win on the road. 
Assumption College is in Worcester, Massachusetts. Yeah. Brian Kelly is an alum. How about that? You love some famous alums, don't you? I mean, and the, the, I mean, he is dominating this this list. I don't know anybody else on this list. So that puts a little more shine on Sunday night when New Orleans will host Dallas in the Superdome. Dallas undefeated, thanks to their thirty-one to six ho hum win against the Miami Dolphins. Dallas led it ten to three after the first quarter. It was ten to six at the half. Cowboys pitched twenty-one nothing shutout in the second half. Dak was 19 of 32 for 246 with a couple of touchdowns and a pick. Two guys go for over 100 yards. Ezekiel Elliott, 19 carries for 125. He averaged six and a half per carry. Tony Pollard, 13 for 103. He averaged eight per carry. Had a touchdown. Dak also had a rushing touchdown in the game. Do you think Dallas plans to pick on Eli Apple with Amari Cooper? If they don't throw. At Cooper, no matter who's guarding him, really. I mean, the Seahawks tried to pick on Marshawn Lattimore. And even though I think Lattimore had a pretty good game on Sunday, it still it, it worked. That's, that secondary for New Orleans kind of has some problems. And, it, and it's not just Eli Apple, but yeah, I mean, if you can get one-on-one matchups with Apple and Amari Cooper, you throw it to him every time. Covered, uncovered, doesn't matter. If it's a handoff, you turn around and throw the football. How long can Jason Witten play? He's 37. Same draft as um, Eli Manning, taken in the 2003, well, maybe a year before. No, that would have been the same draft, 2003 draft. Either year before, whatever. He's healthy, productive, took a year off and was able to rest up in the Monday Night Football booth couple of touchdown catches already this year. Can he play for a while? I mean, he's still productive. He's already got, yeah, what, I mean, 10 catches on the year, a couple touchdowns? You know, they're not asking him to carry the offense the way they did in the past. Yeah, he could play another year or two probably. This year and one or two more? Yeah, why not? It'd be pretty impressive running around as a tight end in the NFL at age 40. Yeah. If he's still getting it done. We'll see. So uh, that's a pretty fun one. You hope By the it way. is, right? I mean, that this very well could be the game that shows you what the Saints are without Drew Brees, though. Uh, because what they did with Seattle, and as I mentioned, the underneath game, they didn't really – and it was raining like crazy – the entire game on Sunday, so maybe that had something to do with it. And Unless it's the tad pad, it won't rain in the Dome. But they didn't test Teddy Bridgewater at all. And you're not beating Dallas by throwing 10-yard outs and screens to Camaro all day long. Because they're too good up front. Dallas is just too good defensively to have that work. Outside of Clowney, who was completely shut down by Ryan Ramchek, Seattle doesn't have anybody in their front seven that Dallas would trade for right now, if that makes sense. So much better defensively for Dallas. They're going to have to either test the ball vertically or it, even Sean Payton mentioned something about spreading it out and, and using jet sweeps and action like that because you can't do what you did in Seattle and beat Dallas on Sunday. So if that's all you can do with Bridgewater, they might be in trouble. Hot take here. If he stays healthy... 
DK Metcalf is going to have a long and productive career in the National Football League. Yeah, but Richard is three cone. <laughs> Two catches for 67 yards. Uh, Wasn't I targeted guess, near as much as I expected yeah. them to, considering the mismatch that he would have had if they had targeted targeted him more. And you mentioned run and hide, Richard. If the Saints can win this game in the, in the NFC South with the way it looks, they might be out to a huge start. They might be able to get that division under wraps pretty quick. Yeah, the Falcons have got problems. You hate to see it. I'm not sure exactly why either. Mm. It hurts my soul to see. Yeah, well, okay. Saints fan notwithstanding. I mean... (laughs) Yeah, they should be better than they are. They should be better than they are. They're just not right now. Maybe the problem wasn't Sarkeesian after all. Maybe it was Dan Quinn. Feels like that drum is about to be beaten pretty loudly. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Take a quick time out. We're back with more in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Interesting story at ESPN about the um, notice of allegations that University of Kansas KU received yesterday. Article written by Jeff Borzello and Myron Metcalf just kind of asks some questions here. If you missed it yesterday, uh, Kansas was handed its notice of allegations by the uh, the NCAA, including lack of institutional control. Uh, the coach responsibility clause was invoked, where basically the NCAA says, spill self, it doesn't matter if you knew or didn't know, you should have known. And they were hit with three level one violations involving Silvio D'Souza and uh, Preston, uh, Billy Preston. And there's some football stuff in there too. Secondary violations or level two violations for uh, for football. So, hey, Dad, what, they asked the question what does this mean for Kansas's roster this season? Um, First of all, they kind of lay out the uh, the timeline. And probably nothing. Kansas is going to be really good this year. Yeah. Kansas has 90 days to respond to the notice of allegations, which takes you into late December. Then the NCAA has 60 days to respond, although I'm sure it'll be more than that because they'll add, I don't know, will they be able to count time off around the holidays? Eh, whatever. That'll take you to the end of February. And then there's another 45 days to schedule a hearing in front of the Committee on Infractions. Ah, the NCAA tournament will be over by then. (laughs) So no immediate ramifications. The only player on the current roster with the connection to the uh, investigation is Silvio D'Souza, who allegedly had a guardian that received $2,500 from TJ Gasnola at Adidas. He sat out all of last season... Before in February, the NCAA ruled he was ineligible for the rest of the year and all of the upcoming season. However, in May, D'Souza won his appeal and is eligible to play this year. So D'Souza, who is one of the level one 
violations that the NCAA has alleged against Kansas is eligible to play this year. And this is why nobody likes or trusts or believes in the NCAA. So they believe they have enough evidence that something happened with him that we're going to bring a letter of out of inquiry and notice of allegations, whatever you want to call it. But he can still play. What? No, that doesn't make any sense. I guess they say he served his punishment last year. I, I, but they, they were saying that he he was going to get it again this year. I don't know. Well, that's what the NCAA said, but then DeSouza appealed it, and it was turned and won. But who won. did he appeal it to? He appealed it to the NCAA. Billy Preston was but does mentioned. That not make sense though, because there happens to be somebody that's playing football here in the state that they used as evidence of taking money in recruiting and didn't miss a snap. So I'm actually and more okay with this than he's he testified to the NCAA about what happened. Did D'Souza? But he's been. I mean, he sat out a full year. He missed it. I'm entire just saying. Year. There, there's, there's going to be, there's always going to be a difference for people who cooperate versus those who don't. Billy Preston was mentioned. Sat out the first half of last year, but then signed a professional contract in Bosnia. Bill Self. See, here's what's interesting to me. Is Bill Self going to get a show cause in all of this? He has vowed that he will fight the charges. Says, I've said it all along. Oh, by by the way, in an interview two years ago with ESPN, he said, I've said all along, if I go to my late 50s, that'd be good for me. I'll be 57 in December. That's late-ish 50s. Bill Self could coach this year, conceivably win a national championship, and then retire. Be a good way to go out. Nah, I've had enough of this NCAA stuff. I'm good. Y'all worry about this. I'm out. Uh, Coach Self, we need you to testify. No, not going to do that. And then you have the, the always fun situation of the players and a coaching staff will get punished for something they were not a part of. Everybody, all the guilty parties will have been, you know, they would have already hit the road by then. Yeah. That always seems fair when it happens that way. So Kansas is going to support and fight for Bill Self. And the question will be, will he get a show cause penalty that knocks him out of being eligible to be the coach at Kansas? They asked the question, what does this mean for Sean Miller, Bruce Pearl, Andy Enfield, and others who had assistance implicated in the FBI scandal? Wait and see. What about Will Wade? He didn't That's have the assistance. one, right? Uh, he he no. didn't have assistance. He was doing the business all by himself. What? What? This is a... Is they LSU going to get a notice of allegations or not? It, no, there's no If way. they don't, man, come on. Wait, what is it? The new athletic director's daughter married Mark Emmert's son. Isn't that how that worked out? Or stepson? Uh, the other way around. Scott Woodward's stepson ah. married Mark Emmert's daughter. But yeah. They say this, the NCAA has effectively identified Adidas as a booster for Kansas. 
Could that designation have implications for other Adidas schools? Could there be implications for other apparel companies that have business partnerships with school? This is, listen to this sentence. Identifying an apparel company as a representative of, of an institution's athletic interests, the definition of a booster per NCAA bylaws, is a tacit argument on the part of the NCAA that a shoe company is acting as a middleman between top players and the school that wears the brand. Well, every school in the country has shoe partners. Yeah. In every sport. Kansas would be the top dog for Adidas in basketball, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Louisville's the only other one I could think of. Uh, but go ahead. Go ahead. If you're the NCAA right now, go ahead and label apparel companies boosters. If you think that what's going on in California, and even though the New York one doesn't make any sense, there's still legislation, and South Carolina, other states will jump on board. If you don't think that will mess up what you've got, go ahead and go after their apparel company money. Then see what happens to you after that. You know, you know what school has the biggest apparel contract in the country? Michigan, right, with Jordan? Nope. Who is it? UCLA and Under Armour. Oh, yikes. <laughs> I read that the other day. It's like a uh it's either thirteen or fifteen million dollars a year. Yeah, go ahead and take that away from those schools. Go ahead. Try to take that money away from them and then see what they do to you. If the NCAA is just an extension of the schools, they'll make sure that extension is cut off if you try to take millions from them. Go for it. This is Brian Haydad's favorite topic, by the way. Oh, he loves I'm, it. I'm loving it. But it is, you, you do have to admit that this thing is fascinating when you're talking about one of the targets that seems to be bulletproof. I, I was surprised when all this came to light because I think I've, you know, I've been saying nothing was going to happen. And to see Kansas actually get a letter, that I, I was surprised by that. I won't lie. More likely, we'll make this topical, Bill Self gets a show cause or Donald Trump gets impeached and removed from office. The second one's not happening. I mean, not to give my political opinions, but that that second part, it's not going to happen. Like 5% to 0%. I'll take take Bill Self on that one. Well, Well, okay, but I guess the impeached and removed from office is the part that's not going to happen. Right. He's going to be impeached by the House of Representatives. Yes. And, it and will, then the Senate is going to find him not guilty. Right. And it will be unsuccessful and uh, really bad. If, if you're going into an election, you're really bad campaign strategy. But that's for a different show on this. <laughs> uh, there are several other shows that cover this. No, no, I understand morning. that. But, I mean, there's like a civics lesson at play here, though. I mean, I, I had to go back and reread the impeachment procedures. So a simple majority of the House is required to impeach a sitting president, and then it is handed off to the Senate, where the 100 senators serve as jurors. The A select number of representatives from the House of Representatives become the de facto prosecutors, and the Chief Justice, so John Roberts in this case, presides over the Senate 
as the quote-unquote judge. It takes two-thirds of the Senate, so 67 votes, to oust the sitting president in the history of the Union that has never happened. Andrew Johnson was impeached. Richard Nixon resigned before he could be removed in office. Bill Clinton was impeached, but the Senate did not remove him. Generals gathered in their masses, just like witches at Black Masses. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Ceasefire text line is open 601 879 4395. Prepaid by Ceasefire is still going big for back to school with special deals, including a light new iPhone 6S for just $49 and a daily $500 giveaway. Learn more at cspire.com slash prepaid. Cspire customer inspired. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Strider in Indianola says, am I listening to ESPN? Come on, Strider. I spent 60 seconds, 45 seconds on the biggest story in all of the United States today. And you give me the ESPN political thing? Come on. Come on, Strider. You didn't really cross an opinion on it either. I did not? I kind of did, but it was quick. You did. Fair enough. But it's not so much... Stick to sports, Borky. It's not so much of an opinion. It's more kind of rooted in fact, but hey. I mean, I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. I did, didn't I? Yes, you did. The House of Representatives is going to impeach him, impeach him. The Senate's not. It's going to backfire the way it did for the Republicans when they tried to impeach Bill Clinton, and Donald Trump's going to get a second term. Sorry if I ruined the ending. You can still read the book if you want to. Odd Shark take... will have odds on that here soon, and you can put money on it. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a long book, a bunch of chapters, but uh, I think I just uh, read the last page to you. Uh, let's see. Kind of wrap up. We've talked a bunch of NFL this segment or this hour. So we can kind of wrap up there. Or, well, let's give you a Pearl River Resort pick of the day. It's brought to you by the sports book at Timeout Lounge at the Golden Moon in Philadelphia. Did not go nearly as well last night for young Brian Scott Rippey as it did when he made the uh, Monday Night Football pick a week ago. Borky, he was on the wrong end of that one last night, wasn't he? Yeah, and that, I don't know how much of it you watched. That was just a horrendous football game. There were flags everywhere. Uh, Case Keenum could not figure out what team he was on. And, and it, it almost kind of got interesting uh, there late. I think it was the Redskins were down two scores, and they were on their way into scoring again to make it really close. And Case Keenum uh, decided to do the end zone leap where all you do is get the ball across the goal line. Like, you leap and just stick the ball across and then bring it right back to you and fall. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really work like that when you're not at the end zone. And he, <laughs> he jumped and stuck the ball out and it just got slapped right out of his hands and that ended the football just game right there. Just because you break the plane at the 37 does not mean the play is dead. Yeah, so that didn't work. But uh, the Bears' defense is really good, but Washington's really bad. And at this point, just play Dwayne Haskins. I mean, you're 0-3. You're not making the playoffs. You're probably going to have to end up firing your coach anyway. You've got this young rookie who cannot be worse than Case Keenum was last night. Like, he just can't be. 
Yeah. I tend to agree with you. And you want people to still filling to still fill up your awful stadium? Bring the rookie that you told your fans was the future. Just go ahead and play when, him. When now. did that stadium become awful? Because it was really good for a while. Based on what I understand, they just haven't done anything at all to it. Haven't yeah. upgraded it. Haven't done anything at all. It's just the same building it's been for decades. Pearl River Resort pick of the day. Milwaukee Brewers at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a favorite in this game. Brewers have been playing some uh, good baseball down the stretch. We'll take the Brewers as underdogs on the money line. So just to win it straight up over the Reds tonight in Cincinnati. First pitch about 40 minutes away. There's your Pearl River Resort pick of the day. Pitching matchup, Adrian Hauser on the mound for Milwaukee against Sonny Gray for Cincinnati. I saw too much bad pitching from Sonny Gray in a Yankees uniform to have any confidence in him. Although well, he's had pretty PTSD good year. on that one. Yeah, he's 11-7 and seven with a sub-3 ERA this year, so it's been much better. Maybe it's just the uh, bright lights of Sinatra's town that were uh, too much for him. It happens. It does happen some of the time. What's the best story in the NFL right now? Ooh, hmm. that's a really good question. Thank you. I don't know that it's it's a uh, you know it's not a happy go lucky story, but how are teams responding to all the the quarterback changes and injuries and everything else? Some good, some bad. Danny Dimes Allen, is probably pretty good for the, the Panthers. Yeah, he was yeah. good. Not a good team they beat, working? though. Uh, Danny Dimes is really kind of everybody's oh, favorite Danny story right Dimes. now. We got to stop with that. Daniel Sorry. Jones, really good debut for the New York Giants. It was Tampa, though, and they missed, what, a 32-yard field goal, which would have won yeah. them the game. So Yeah, but against the Todd Bowles defense, 23 of 36, 336 through the air, two touchdowns, no picks, made some plays with his feet, two touchdowns on the ground, including a seven-yard touchdown run. Evan Ingram, big game. Six catches for 113 and a touchdown. Sports Talk Mississippi. College Football Fix is next. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Rolling into the 5 o'clock hour on this Tuesday afternoon. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, you can find them at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing and refinancing land for a long time, a little over 100 years. MSLandBank.com. JT Show will be at uh, Mitchell Farms and Collins on Wednesday for the annual Peanut Festival. The annual Peanut Festival in Collins is a great event filled uh, event filled with music, entertainment, and family fun. Go to mitchellfarms.com for more information. I'll tell you where we're going to be later in the week as well. But right now we will go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Ryan Brown from the Jocks Roundtable in Birmingham on your radio. Ryan, what's up, man? I'm pretty good, Richard. How are you today? Great. Great. 
Good. I'm ready for fall Good. weather. I like fall <laughs> golf. I'm tired of hot weather. I um, saw someone today on Twitter, and I wish I could remember who it was. I would give them full credit if I could say that fall in the South is basically summer with pumpkins. And my gosh, that's not true. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a, that's a good Pumpkins and mums. You walk into the grocery pumpkins store, and they get the big displays of mums sitting outside. In 90-degree weather. Yeah. I've, has it always been this way, or do we have fall when we were kids? I don't remember. I don't, you know, it seems like it seems like it would get cooler quicker. I don't know. I don't know. I, this is a weird. This has been a weird September, man. I mean, it's been in the nineties all September. It just seems like not too long ago. Like, I mean, at least he's in the low eighties by the end of September. It wouldn't be this hot. I mean, I'm still I'm still managing to get my golf in, but boy, it's it's uh, it's, it's awful hot while I do it. And I think the forecast for Tuscaloosa on Saturday has it like mid to upper 90s. So that should be lovely for Ole Miss and Alabama at 2.30 on Saturday afternoon. Um, how does – Alabama gets this all the time, right? Because, because they approach games where they're huge, you know, five, six, seven touchdown favorites. It's just kind of life for Alabama outside of when they play LSU – or Auburn, or right. if they play a good team early in the year. But as you look at all the opponents, is there a point where this has just become demoralizing or just going through the motions, or do, does Alabama feel like it still gets everybody's best shot? Um, that's a good question. You know, uh, I don't know what the honest answer would be in the locker room. I don't know if the players feel like they get everybody's best shot. But I think it's more when Alabama goes on the road. I think they feel like they get a team's best shot. I mean, it's generally going to be one of the more juiced atmospheres in that team's stadium all season, you know, wherever they go. Um, I think maybe sometimes a fan base tends to think, okay, that we've got them in our place. Maybe we've got a chance or a better chance than if we played in Tuscaloosa. When, in fact, Alabama generally better on the road, really. I mean, they're probably a better road team than they are home team in the same era, in the big games anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I think they still feel like they get everybody shot, but that's a really good question. It's one I haven't even really stopped to consider if um, Alabama players think that they've got some regular opponents, teams they face every year, kind of demoralized to the point that they don't even get the best shot anymore. Yeah. You know, because I, I guess I feel like Nick Saban and others have used that line of thinking before. Where, oh, bullseye on her back, and, you know, it's everybody's Super Bowl. I don't know that he has said it exactly that way, but you've heard that line of thinking from coaches with, with programs. And I just wonder if it's kind of gotten to the point where uh, there's so much domination and the the talent gap is so drastic with the majority of teams that Alabama faces that it's just not fun for anybody anymore. I don't know. That that may be a silly way of looking at it. <laughs> well, I, I do think there's some truth in what you say about the fan base. It has become very commonplace. Um, I, I mean, nobody nobody that wears crimson will go to that stadium Saturday thinking they've got a chance of losing the game. In fact, if Alabama doesn't win this thing by more than 30, I think most fans would be wondering what happened. So. It has become it has become very routine for Alabama just to blast opponents inside Bryant Denny Stadium outside of like you talked about maybe an LSU, but even then at Bryant Denny, Alabama has 
destroyed LSU since 2011. Um, Auburn hasn't fared too well since the comeback game back in 2010 at Bryant Denny. So, really, I mean, the most of the home fans don't even get to see a good game all year. I mean, that, that's just yeah. the truth of the matter. The last good games they've seen were Johnny Manziel leading LSU, uh, Texas, Texas A&M to the win in 2012, and then um, Chad Kelly. The Ole Miss game leading, in 15. Yeah, lead, leading Ole Miss to the win. I mean, that's it. I mean, you're, you're, you're going back seven years to find a couple games that were even really good games at Brian Denny. Because of, of the domination and because it's not close, I feel like in some ways we're losing just how special what Tua Tonga-Valoa is doing right now. I mean, 75% completions are a little bit better than that, 1,300 yards, seven TDs, no picks, and it just looks so easy, like like he's making yeah. good decisions. And then he's saying the right things after games, but, you know, oh, we've got to get better. But come on, you, you can't get much better than he's been. It's, it, it, it's pretty spectacular to watch it. It really is, and you, you almost get lulled to sleep by it. I mean, it is, like you said, it is so easy and it is so routine. I mean, almost the given is Alabama's going to get the ball and they're going to go right down the field and he's going to throw for a touchdown immediately. Alabama's going to be up seven to nothing. That didn't happen against Duke, but it happens against everybody else. And you, you just, you just expect it now. He's just doing what you expect him to do. But I was looking Monday at some of the national stats. Now, Anthony Gordon at Washington State. Leads the nation in touchdown passes. He's got 21. Heck, he threw nine in that loss to UCLA Saturday right. night. Tungavaloa's got 17. Joe Burrow does as well. But Tungavaloa's 17 with zero interceptions. And, I mean, he's basically hasn't played. He hasn't played a fourth quarter all year. He's barely played in the second half. And he's behind Anthony, just, just four touchdown passes behind Anthony Gordon. So he's really doing it on a remarkable level. But you're right. He makes it look so easy. That you, you just almost you just almost expect him to be spectacular. I mean, if he's not spectacular, that's when it's a story. Yeah, and there are a lot of years, a lot of years where seventeen touchdown passes are more than an Alabama quarterback through in a season. Oh yeah, I mean that would yes, that would have been a great year, something or a good year, a normal year, like you said, a normal year, seventeen touchdown passes. He's got that in in four games where he's probably played a total out of out of sixteen quarters in four games. He's probably played. Maybe nine of the sixteen, and, wow. and he's got seventeen touchdown passes. It's yeah. really crazy. It really is. Hey, let's let, let's slide over to Auburn, where Mississippi State will visit on Saturday. Auburn, arguably the two best wins in the country. Uh, yeah. When you you look at the win against Oregon and the win on the road against Texas A and M, both away from uh, from Jordan Hare. How good is Auburn right now? I mean, obviously they're doing it with defense. Are they getting better offensively? Um, their run game has gotten better. It was a little bit better at Texas A&M. Bo Nix is still figuring out the passing game. Um, he, he's not efficient as a passer. He's missing touchdown passes. Uh, he missed two wide-open deep balls for a touchdown against Texas A&M. He missed a wide-open receiver. You know, it was against Kent State, so it didn't really matter. But these are, these are things that, you know, affect you as the year goes. He's shown some progression, but he still only threw for 100 yards. Um, but they're running the ball better, and they're using Bo Nix a lot more in the run game, the more traditional quarterback run game uh, that you see from Gus Malzahn. He's figuring out ways to get Joey Gatewood involved outside of mop-up duty. So I, I do think the offense is a work in progress. I do think it has gotten better, but this team is relying on, on 
a dominant defense, and they have been dominant. I mean, this defense has been spectacular. It was terrific uh, in College Station. So, um, I, you know, it's a very defensive team right now, and I think the run game is progressing a little more than the passing game. Bonex has has to become a more efficient passer, but the one thing he's not doing, Richard, is turning the ball over, and that's huge. You know, he has, he's not been a turnover machine as a true freshman that's been put in some pretty tough spots, and he's made the big plays when he's needed to. So, I think you're getting enough out of him, but I think Auburn knows, the fans know, the coaches know, Bo Nix knows that what he's doing right now is probably not good enough to beat Georgia, Alabama, or LSU. I think the question is, is it good enough to beat Mississippi State and Florida? Those are the other losable games that Auburn's still got left on the schedule. Vegas has Auburn as a double-digit favorite, uh, point favorite, 12 points currently the line on this ballgame. Is that too big of a number, or do you think that's about right? You know, it opened, I think, at nine and a half. Yeah. And when when that opened, I thought, ooh, man, they've got that just about right. I kind of like hey, it right there. Boy, it's up to 12. That seems really, really high. I think State yeah. will struggle to move the ball on them. You know, it looks like it's going to be Schrader, right? I mean, it, I, I just get the feeling Tommy Stevens might be done for a little bit. Um, so this yeah. will be Schrader's o- open date yeah. next week. So it might be yeah. at least one more week before we see him. So, yeah, so RB, I, always I, appreciate your time, man. Good stuff. All right, buddy. Good talking with you as always. Ryan Brown from the Jocks Roundtable, WJOX in Birmingham, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Hey, you want to win something? Of course you do, because everybody likes free stuff. We have got concert tickets for you. Miranda Lambert is coming to Vancorp South Arena in Tupelo on January 16th. And we're going to give you a chance to win a pair of Miranda Lambert tickets right now. Here's how you can do it. The number for the C Spire text line is 601-879-4395. Be the first person to text that number, 601-879-4395, and tell us what Michael Borky is naming his son. Not 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 what you think he should name, but Michael has said on the air what he is naming his son. Borky, I will let you use your discretion as to whether or not it's first, middle, and last, or just first and last, or some version therein. We'll start with first and middle. And last is obvious, but we'll start with first and middle, and if that takes too long, we'll just go to first. Wait, baby Borky is not going to be acceptable? That is not acceptable. Little baby Borky? Um, I think it is right. Lord Eddard, isn't that his name? I tried Zion, but wife said no. Yeah, I, f- I figured you would go the, the Thrones route. Yeah. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi will be on the campus of Northeast Mississippi Community College. In Boonville on Thursdays, the Tigers renew their rivalry with ICC. Broadcast will be brought to you by JUCO Weekly. Go to JUCOweekly.org for JUCO scores, stats, and news. Sports Talk Mississippi in Boonville is Northeast. Host ICC on Thursday. All right, so text in and you can uh, you can win your Miranda Lambert tickets. College football fix right now. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. 
Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Great savings on year-end models. 2019 F-150s going fast. Save big. Get yourself behind the wheel of an F-150 today. It's good look, Rippy. Wear a hat with a tag on the side of it with your jorts. I got khakis on. Not a uh, not a great weekend in terms of huge appeal for college football games this weekend. Didn't we do this two weeks ago? Yeah, this one is worse. Jump the gun on that. Why do we have so many bad weeks early? Well, schedule better. In most conferences. Well, I guess this is week five, so that would be done. But most conferences... I say most. There's a couple conferences where you play all of your non-conference games early and then get into conference play, but that we're doesn't count that. now. Yeah, we're into conference play this this weekend in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and the ACC. I was trying to guess the Missouri game time at practice today, and it's pretty loaded that weekend. Alabama, A and M, LSU, Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Auburn, and somebody. Hmm. Feels like that could be a night game, no? I think it's got 11 a.m. all over it. Well, because 2.30 gets slot number one. Night game gets slot two. 11 a.m. We're talking about two weeks from now. We're talking about October 5th, right? No, after Vanderbilt. Yeah. October 12th uh, is what he's talking about. October 12th. Good grief. Florida That's the one we don't have time for yet. Yeah, no, I'm right, right. I'm with you. You going Florida at LSU on CBS? If Florida keeps win- well, yeah, yeah, they're going to keep winning. So yes, that will. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Who, who does Auburn have that week? It's it's not Auburn. It's Georgia South Carolina that week. Okay. Who does Auburn? Auburn, play? Auburn is off. Ooh. Alabama is at A and M. That's a night game. That's ESPN six o'clock. Yep. Well, they might make. They might even put that game on ABC. Yeah, they might. State Tennessee looks like. If I had to guess, that's your six thirty SEC network game. Probably so. Vandy UNLV. That's got ESPNU written all over it. Yeah, something like that. Uh, Kentucky Arkansas. I'm going to say that one is at eleven on the SEC network. Yep. And Georgia, South Carolina's on the deuce. Probably you can have Ole Miss, Missouri in that afternoon time slot on SEC Network. Yeah, that three thirty kick, three o'clock kick, whatever it is. Look at some of the lines this week. That that is a pretty good. Next couple of weeks are pretty good with yeah, SEC games. The next week after that's not bad. South Carolina, Florida, Michigan, Penn State, Auburn, Arkansas. Big week for them to get to seven and five. Oklahoma, West Virginia. Wait, Auburn, Arkansas is a big week for who to get to seven and five. Auburn, I don't know how they're going to get to seven wins if they can't beat Arkansas. He, he was poking at Hey Dad. Here you go. <laughs> what about the lines this week? A and M twenty three and a half point favorite against Arkansas in Arlington. When are they going to move that game back to campuses? I got a feeling their fans are tired of going to Dallas for that game every year. Jerry Jones Arkansas keeps Arkansas writing fans. checks, huh? Yeah, Arkansas fans, they keep losing. They haven't they haven't won. And they're not any closer. Northern Illinois 
at Vanderbilt. Vandy's a six-point favorite at home. Alabama, a 35-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Ole Miss. See, here, the, I mean, these are the games that I hate at this. At week five, Florida is hosting Towson. So Alabama is a bigger favorite as a home uh, against a home conference opponent than Florida is against Towson at home. <laughs> Oof. Ooh. Auburn over Mississippi State in that line. What did we say it was a second ago, Morgan? You got it at 11 here. Yeah, that was 11 at about 9 o'clock this morning. It's now at 12. So Auburn a dozen point favorite at home against uh, against Mississippi State. South Carolina favored over Kentucky at home by two and a half. What did you think of Kentucky? Hey Dad, I mean, are they just in trouble yes. at quarterback right now? Yes, yes. I mean, and I couldn't believe they threw the ball forty plus times with that guy. They were, they were having so much success. When we were talking about it yesterday, it's like he's shot putting the ball because he's hurt. He's hurt, and I mean. They were having so much success running the football. I don't understand what they were doing. It looked really familiar from a season ago, I'll be honest with you. Um, I, I don't know what Kentucky was doing. I think they're in a lot of trouble. I think they, they, they are in trouble this week with South Carolina. If they, if they, if South Carolina loses this game, buddy, you can just go ahead and pack Muschamp's bag, bags for them. We'll see what happens. Is that too big of a number for Mississippi State against Auburn? No, I mean, if I told you that State lost 31-20, 30, 33-20, I don't think anybody would be totally surprised by that. You think or if Auburn was better defensively and won 27-10, you know, something like that. Yeah. Can State go win that game? They can. I don't think they will right this second, but they can. Of course, I thought that that's going to be the theme this week on the Thunder and Lightning podcast. I didn't think they could win that game last year, and they found a way to do it. That's a tough environment. It is. Auburn off to a 4-0 start as a top-10 team at home at night. Hmm. Whew. Rippy's all over that. They're good. I think we're trending toward the point where we all just get on board with the fact that Auburn's good. I've been on They're that train. up here. One of the only trains that I've gotten right, but I've been on that train. I'm the only one who was on the South Carolina is not good train. I feel like that's, that's the only prediction I've gotten right so far. I still stand by Muschamp's getting fired. So you got A&M and Arkansas at 11 this week. Vandy plays at 11 against Northern Illinois. Ole Miss and Bama's at 2.30. Florida's game against Towson is at 3 on the SEC network. Over under 175,000 people watch that game on the SEC network. Under. Did you watch any of Arkansas San Jose? I know you did. Not one snap. I don't believe you. I didn't watch yeah, I a single snap. I watched it as a, I realized what was going to happen. Where is Towson? Like, where is the university located? Yeah, I don't know. I went with Pennsylvania. Maryland. It's in Towson, Maryland. What's their mascot? They're the Tigers. Bobcat or something. They're the Tigers. A lot of creativity there. Yeah. Famous alum, Amy Schumer. Ugh. It's rough. Yikes. I can impeach her. 
Former St. Germain Bushrod was a uh, went to Towson. That's better. State and Auburn. Should have led with that. Six <laughs> on ESPN, SEC Network, Kentucky, South Carolina, 6.30 on Saturday night. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio, streaming online at supertalk.fm. More coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. 601-879-4395, the number on the ceasefire text line. Alvin Breeze Borky was somebody's uh, response to baby Borky name. Close, very close. We uh, we had someone that got the name correct, right? Right, but they do not want the tickets, so we've got can't, to go. Can't use them, so. Well, I mean, Kevin won them, though. So does Kevin get to give them to someone else? I don't know. He said he didn't want them. Okay. I mean, we could go to to Robert, who got first name right. Oh, that's good enough. Or David, who got the middle name right. I like the middle name. I can't. I'm surprised that with how our listeners remember everything, I'm surprised that more people don't remember this because I, I caught some hell for that. But it's, um, it's James Richard the second, and uh, named after his paternal grandfather, my dad, uh, Jimmy Dick Borky too. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I I, I want to call. Him, Are you going to call him Jimmy? No, I, James. Um, my dad goes by Jim for whatever that's worth, but he'll be James. Yeah, but that's not Jimmy. No, I don't. I don't. I'm going to call your son Jimmy. You can do that. I I, I won't. It's just baby uh, Jimmy. <laughs> James is just a very strong name, and I mean, my dad is. You know, he's my dad. So I've I wanted to. Once I got old enough to start contemplating kids in my life, I always wanted to name my firstborn son after my dad. Uh, so he is. Not named after Richard Cross, but he is James Richard II. Hey, you can tell yourself whatever you want. <laughs> Jim's more business-like. Can you imagine just like a little six-month-old? What's up, Jim? Jimmy. You don't mm. like Jimmy? I like Jim. Jim's, Jim is strong. James is strong. I, I'll let him decide. Uh, I'm actually James myself, but chose Michael for some reason when I was a kid, so... Uh, hey Dad, Ceasefire text line. Can we have Hey Dad tell us if the name is Ole Miss enough? James, say it again. James Richard Borky the second. So he's yes. not Junior because because that would have to be your your name, right? Yeah. Skip James a generation. Richard. It is on a scale of one to ten, ten being the most Ole Miss name possible. It is a five and a half. Probably because the second, the second is what gets it there. Yes. James what Richard is, state is a name. What's a good state name? I don't know. You, you're you're the Ole Miss guy. Make up a funny state name. To me, that the most Ole Miss name possible is you have two last names, as you know, as a first name. So Samson name Beauregard. Like, yeah, if your name is like Dunbar Tucker, you know, Hilliard the Third, that's a very Ole Miss name. What was that name? Dunbar Tucker Hilliard the Third. Dunbar. So you've got Tucker, all last names. That doesn't flow together. I didn't say it was flow together. It's an old misname though. I bet people there are a state with two last names. I'm sure there are. It's just a joke. 
I don't understand why everything is so serious sometimes. Just laugh or don't, but it's just a joke. I think I think he thinks the joke's on you when he plays you that way. I don't know if he does or not. Because remember the other day he didn't get – what were we talking about? He was just like, I don't get it. I, I just don't think – I don't think Georgia <laughs> – yeah. Grocery store taking yeah. Irish right. it's, just, it's just, just relax. It's going to be okay. It's just a joke. Quinn wants to know, like John Rice, spelled R Y S S. There's only one S. I'm looking at it. R Y S. Yeah. yeah. Amanda said, "Jamie, till he's old enough to tell you no." Funny you say that. That's what my wife plans on calling him. I'm not oh, a fan, Amy? but yeah. Ja- no. no. Come on. No. I mean, your wife, I suppose, can do whatever she wants to do. Another question on the C Spire text line, who's your Pearl River Resort winner tonight, Richard? Well, we'll, well I'll go back to picking them since uh, Rippy went down into a flaming, smoldering pile of awfulness last night. Yeah, either me or Case Keenum, one of the two. I'm not sure which one. Keenum just went and played. You picked him. Yeah, but he made Mitch Trubisky look good. That's hard to do. The point Mitchell, is, sorry. is you were giving free winners to people, and you gave a flaming loser last night. It didn't... I'm going to stop picking these. I forced you into it twice. It's not like you're doing it on your own. I think I'm one and one when you force me into it. Uh, I yeah, you are. I, I took Milwaukee... Um, as an underdog on the run line tonight against Cincinnati. I'm sure Rippy will fade me on that. Marty Brenneman's last series. Is it really? Yeah, he's yeah. quitting Thursday. They play Pittsburgh this weekend. He's not making the trip. There you go. All right, so we're uh, we're getting the uh, the tickets sent in the mail to um, someone. We got it. Hey, Robert. Robert, congratulations. You have won Miranda Lambert tickets in Tupelo uh, in the new year. So that'll be fun. You enjoy that. You'll have another chance to win um, tomorrow. Stan and Ripley. Borky, he likes the name. He says, my name is Stanley. My dad is Stanley. My son is Stanley. Big Stan, middle Stan, now little Stan. Love the uh, name for your son. I'm pretty proud of this one. Big Stan, middle Stan, and little Stan. (laughs) That's pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, uh, television numbers. So we've talked a lot about attendance, which is down pretty much everywhere. It's up everywhere on television. College football viewership through week four across all networks up 4%. But the biggest growth this year has been with Fox. College football on Fox, period. Up 44% this year. And the new big noon window that they've been promoting like crazy and really haven't had great games on so far. They had, they had Michigan-Wisconsin last week. But you had Ohio State in that window a couple of times. You had the Michigan Army game in that window. Maybe Penn State once. Was it? They had Michigan Army. That was the best one. Uh, they haven't had Penn State on, I don't think. Okay, maybe not. Ohio State at Indiana, was that one of them? Maybe last yes. week? Yes, it was. Yep. Or, or, or is that that's coming up this week. 
No, they already they played Indiana, beat the brakes off of them. Ohio State's at Nebraska this weekend. That's right. That's right. So that Fox noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central Time window, viewership is up 78% year to year. It's brilliant, man. I, I mean, even though it ended up not being a good game, instead of trying to compete with whatever the SEC's doing, you put Wisconsin and Michigan on at noon, and nobody else wanted to watch anything else, at least early. I know Ole Miss and Cal was going on, so it doesn't apply to this state, but everywhere else, that was the only game worth watching, at least from a brand and all that stuff standpoint. It ended up being a, a mauling, but th- that was brilliant. I was watching that game on second TV and was fascinated by it, even though a team I covered was on the other one. It's perfect. Don't compete with Georgia Notre Dame. Put your best game at noon because you're not beating Georgia no- Notre Dame, so don't even try. We're, Fox has not, though, completely abandoned the primetime game. They're just taking some of their best inventory and sticking it at 11 o'clock Central. Right. I like, tried to watch that pregame show. It's terrible. It's not good. Uh, but you've got, like, for example, you've got Southern Cal at Washington competing with Ole Miss Alabama this week at 2.30. It'll probably get better, don't you think? Like, what, what will? What TV shows are awesome like that the first year, I feel like? Like, would we like Game Day the first year now, if the first year of Game Day ever now? Like, I bet, like, people would hate it. Well, when They'll Game Day started, it, it was I in the studio. Yeah, but I agree with both. I'm not necessarily disagree. I'm just interested to see how that evolves. Because, like, yeah, like, couldn't you probably guess it probably wasn't going to be very strong with, like, and Urban Meyer and Reggie Bush? And Matt Leinart and Rob Stone and, That's yes. three fairly different personalities. And Urban probably leaves in a year. So what does that look like? I'll be honest. The I like the nostalgia of game day now. And I like kind of the pictures. But I don't watch the show. I can't remember the last time I sat down and watched a full game day show. No. Like, I flip it on because we're usually still knocking around the house on Saturday morning. Oh, game day's on. And there it's... Big and Rich singing about coming to your city with a different third singer. Tune in tomorrow. You'll get free tickets to Big and Rich. No, I don't think we've got those. Okay. Just uh, trying. We're going to put a little zing game in day your was great the first year it started. I bet Rippy wasn't even born then. I bet I wasn't either. I don't know what year. Yeah. Isn't it just over 20 years old? Maybe I was alive then. First show they ever took on the road was Game of the Century when it was... Um, Florida State at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be outside, but the weather was so bad they got forced inside. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.